good morning uh, again, and uh, we're just glad to be here. Uh, just a couple of announcements before we get started. We have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock, and uh, by the way to pray, and then uh, we had a Bible study last night, which will be every Saturday night, Spirit, Soul, Body in Pasadena, and we had a good time there yesterday. Anyway, I think those are the only announcements for right now. Uh, we will be starting our Bible classes again in the fall, uh, but we'll let you know more if we get closer to that. Has a little bit some changes a little bit with that, uh, but I'll talk more about that later. Um, anyway, I think that's enough announcements for now. I don't. I want to really just get into the word. So we're talking. This is my second our second week of talking about the essence of spiritual maturity, and I'm not sure how long this series will be. Uh, there's a lot of things that God has just been downloading in my heart. Because my heart as a pastor, and even living alone pastor, just a, a brother in Christ is I want to grow in Christ. I want to mature. And uh, I want, as a pastor, I want to help others mature in their relationship with God. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about that. The New Testament has a lot to say. Both Peter, John, Paul, Jesus have a lot to say about spiritual maturity and growing up. I mentioned uh, last week, you know, when we're born physically, none of us are born an adult. We are all born a baby. And we it takes us through nurturing, feeding, uh, knowledge, training, education, uh, that we grow up and we mature. Maturity doesn't have to do with age. Maturity has to do with, uh, it, it has to do with growth, it has to do with knowledge, it has to do, with, uh, um, it's not just an age thing. There's some people who are adults, they don't act like adults, they act like children, and uh, we want to grow up, but also, just like we grow up from a natural perspective, we also want to grow up from a spiritual perspective, we want to grow up, none of us are born again mature, we have to study the Word of God, we have to have a diet of the Word of God, we have to have a relationship with God, we, it's called discipleship. And we are discipled in knowing who we are in Christ. And when we are discipled, we know who God is. We know who we are. And we know who each other is. And uh, my heart is that we grow up in all things. Uh, go ahead and turn with me real quick. We'll, we'll go here again to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start off Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll pick up in verse 11. One second. There we go. And uh, we'll start off here because this is kind of the behind the scenes my heartbeat and not just what we're teaching now but everything we do but uh, Paul says and he gave some to be apostles some are prophets 
and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come, and all means all, okay, till we all come, not just some of us, but we all come to the unity of the faith, into the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that can also be interpreted in a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth of love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now there's a lot here and it goes on and we'll get to verse 16 a little bit later in our study. But He's game, and to me, this is personal for me because I am a pastor. And there is a fivefold ministry. I'm not the only pastor. I'm one pastor. And God has given gifts to the church. He's given gifts. Uh, he's given these gifts to the church. Not so people like myself can be on some pedestal or some platform. But we are a gift to the church to equip the church, to equip the saints. And we're equipping the saints to do something for the work of the ministry. And what ministry? To edify the body of Christ. And we're going to get to that latter part a little later in our study. You know, as we grow up naturally, see, when we're, when we're a toddler, when we're a baby, when we're an infant, even a, a young child, we have to be waited on. People have to wait on us. People have to take care of our needs. But as we grow... Now, Sherry's a caregiver. She, most of her clients are the elderly. At one point in life, the elderly were watching over their kids. Now their kids are, now their kids are watching over mom and dad uh, and whatnot. And that's just one aspect of that. But when you are mature, hopefully you're not, as we grow up and mature, you know, a child sometimes can only think of themselves to a certain degree. But as they grow up and mature, I'm not saying a child can't have compassion on people. But even as a child, we learn to share. We learn to be a part of life. And, and hopefully, as they grow and mature and have their own careers and their own families, they're not just taking care of their own family, but they can also uh, contribute to society and be a part. Uh, and we'll get into some of that. But we are equipping the saints to minister and edify the body of Christ. One of my greatest joys, I love preaching, I love pastoring, but one of my greatest joys is just fellowshipping as the body of Christ and encouraging and edifying one another. Whether that be in a Bible study or a church setting, or whether that just be over a meal, or whether that just be just having fun at the park or, or uh, some event or camping or whatever that might be. I just love, I, I love, I love edifying people. I love talking with people on Facebook and different things and, and on the phone and encouraging and edifying one. It's awesome. What I don't like is when uh, I, it, it just, uh, there's times where uh, I don't feel like there is a lot of fellowship. I don't want to be isolated. I, we all need time alone. We all need space. So we all need that. But I don't want to, I never want to live my life where I have nobody in my life and I have nothing going on. Hopefully I'm making sense with a little bit of that. Um, but my heart is that we would all, 
we will equip the saints for the work of the ministry and led by the body of Christ, so that we all, whether we're mature or with the what, how, wherever we are in a walk of God, so we can all come to the unity of the faith, so we can all mature. We can all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. I praise God for my faith. Praise God for where I'm at. But I want to help encourage other people to know what I know. And, uh, and vice versa. I get encouraged and, and people are sharing what God is doing in their life. And I, I get encouraged and whatnot. I hope I'm making sense with this. And I'm only taking looking at one aspect right now. But we don't want to be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There's more to be said about that. I talked about that a lot last week. But speaking the truth of love, that we may all grow up in all things into Him. Paul said it this way in Galatians 4.19, and I'm just recapping a few things from last week, and then we're going to get into the new territory. I'm not trying to reteach last week's message. But in Galatians 4.19, Paul says, My little children, from whom I labor in birth pains, are birth again until Christ is formed in you. I said last week, you know, it's one thing to give labor and birth for a child one time. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I can't imagine because I've never been labor, <laughs> but uh, laboring for the same child twice. He's He's not talking to the unsaved. He's not talking to those who are not saved. He's talking to the church, and he's calling them his little children. He says, I labor, not only that you become born again, but I also labor that Christ be formed in you. Um, I don't know about you, but I, in, the, in the church, and I'm not putting anybody down. That's not my heart. But I've seen people who are just, Christ is not formed in them. They're born again. But there's a level of immaturity, and that's on different levels with different people. And uh, some of the reasons why they struggle so much in some of their behaviors and some of their lifestyles and some of their even uh, things going on is because they have not grown up in Him in all things. I'm not saying that's the only only reason why people are suffering and going through things. Uh, But uh, that's one of the reasons. Am I making sense so far? But Paul's heart is that we would grow up, that we would, that Christ would be formed in us. Go with me one more passage of scripture we talked about last week. Go with me to First Peter, and this is all introductory to where I really want to get to, because all of last week was really introduction. First Peter chapter two, verse two, and Peter says this: as newborn babes. Desiring the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There's a couple things here I just want to point out real quick. Peter is, is saying that us as babes in Christ, as being born again in Christ, that we would desire the pure milk of God's word. It's the milk of God's word. It's God's word that is going to enable us to grow. It's God's word that's going to enable us to mature and to grow up. A child can't grow if they don't eat. A, child, a baby, an infant's not going to grow if it doesn't have his milk. And as it grows, it's going to eventually have solid food. And it's going to grow. Sherry's watching her nephew, who's just a little over a year old. And he's, he's a hungry boy. He likes to eat. He's growing. He's growing because he's eating. Uh, um, going back to caregiving, she, uh, uh, you know, she... Caregivers. One of the signs that someone is on their deathbed or they're dying is they lose their appetite. 
they don't can't eat anymore. They can't hold down food anymore. I'm not saying the days that the day, a certain day where you just aren't hungry, you're rotting, you're dying. But in a sense that we're not growing, we are dying. We are decaying. A plant, an animal, if it's not growing, if it's not eating, it's not healthy, and it's decaying, it's dying. It's a process of dying. One we can't. Another way, another way of looking at it, we cannot grow if we don't eat. And I'm not talking about being fat. I'm just talking about growing and being healthy and, and whatnot. But uh, same thing spiritually. We can't grow and mature in our relationship with God. First of all, we don't even have a relationship with Him. No relationship, a marriage relationship, can't grow if, there's, if you don't spend time together. We, can, we have to spend time with God. We have to spend time in His Word. And we need to desire the milk of God's Word. Say, I can teach you. But I can't give someone a desire for the mouth of God. I can't create that desire. I can create the atmosphere. I can make the Word of God appealing in a sense. Um, but, I, uh, but I can't get that desire. But he also talked about verse 3 that if, if you taste it, the Lord is gracious. Well, he's, he piggybacks on that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. He says... But growing grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Praise God that we have tasted God's grace. But that grace that we've tasted, he also says growing grace. Growing grace. Grow in the knowledge of God. Grow, yes, desire God's word, but grow in your knowledge of God. And you know, and some people just just I'm, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use a lot of natural analogy of growing and maturing because even as, you know, some people can eat more at one time. Some people can't eat a lot. Some people can eat a little. Um, it's not about how much you eat. It's a matter that there's a consistency. There's a diet. There's a, there's a pattern there's a, uh, of eating and desiring God's, God's Word. Just like naturally speaking, you know, uh, it's not about how much you eat. It's that you are eating and you're eating healthy. You're eating healthy proportions. And, uh, and uh, that making sense? And so we need to have a regular rhythm. We need to have a regular diet of the Word of God so that we can grow. Praise God for His grace. The only way we even knew His grace is by hearing the Word of God. And, as we, and, and that goes back to something we talked about last week. I'm not trying to reteach last week's lessons, but in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in, the, abounding in it with thanksgiving. How, he says, in the same way that you received Jesus Christ, walk in him. What is, and actually, let me toggle real quick to the, the King James, I mean the New King James, But in the King James, there's a colon right here. That means Paul is expounding on this phrase, so walk in him. He's going to expound what that means, what that looks like. Walking in him is being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Now, I'm going over this a little fast because I went over this last week. But he says, as you therefore receive Christ. How did we receive Christ? We heard the word of God, the gospel. We believed it and received it. 
We heard the word of God, we lead it, received it. Okay? The, the same way that we receive Christ is the same way that we walk in Him. We hear the word of God, we believe it, and receive it. And when we continue to receive God's word and chew on God's word and walk in God's word, we're going to be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. That's the same way that we even became, that's the same way we even have faith to begin with. But we, to be established in this faith, to be rooted and built up and established in this faith, we need to hear God's word. We need to have a diet of God's word. Because it says, as you have been taught. Taught what? The word of God. Taught the gospel. Taught the grace of God. Taught the knowledge of God. And so as we, we're going to, we receive Christ by being taught, and we're going to grow, we're going to walk with Him, and we're, not, we're going to be rooted and built up and established in Him by being taught, being taught the Word of God. Okay? And so, uh, there's a lot here that I've, I've been going over real fast again, but let me just uh, go back to Peter real quick, and then we're going to jump onto the new territory. But back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And it says, who, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus has his, who his own self, self bore. Uh, let me go back to the New King James. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Now we use this verse a lot regarding healing. By his stripes we were healed. And now Definitely applies. I'm not taking away from that when I know that. But Jesus bore our sins in his own body. That so that we die to sins. Not just so our, we can be healed. That's part of the equation. But he died for our sins that we might live for righteousness. That we might live for him. And he died so that we might live for him. And uh and so anyway, it just this whole idea of living, you know, it, it, if you're not growing, if you don't have a, a, a healthy diet of God's Word, if we don't have a healthy relationship with God, then we're not living. We can't experience. He is our life. He's our source of life. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but we're born again of incorruptible seed by the Word of God. The Word of God is the seed. The Word of God is the source of our life. And He died so that we can live. But we're, we're born again. But we need, and, and that being born again is receiving Christ. But the same way we receive Christ, we need to walk in Him, being rooted, built up, and established in the faith by being taught. Making sense? So that's just a little recap of what we talked about last week. But uh, go ahead and show with me in your Bibles. We're going to get some new territory this morning. Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verse 11. And what I'm going to be talking for the next few moments about is, is I can almost have a second title to this message, and it's called The Path of Life. There's a path. That God has for us, and uh, we want to get on that path 
so that we can grow. Okay. Uh, but uh, let me set that up a little bit here. In Psalm, uh, what did I say? Psalm 16. 16, verse 11. David writes, You show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I really just focus on that first part, which is, Lord, you show me the path of life. You know, there's a, my heart as a pastor, we're going to get into some things in the next few weeks, uh, but I'm trying to set the stage for even that. And some of this, and just let me just backtrack a little bit. I've been uh, studying from Dwayne Sheriff, and he, called, he had a series called The Spiritual Growth Track. And I'm getting uh, some in, uh, in, a few, in the next few weeks. I'm going to be teaching some things, and I'll be going to be using his outline to teach my principal. But he calls it the whole the, the spirit growth track. He, his goal as a pastor is to get his church, the people, on a track so they can grow spiritually. Everything they do in the church is how the people grow spiritually. In a sense, that's what we're trying to do here. But with our Sunday morning, our Bible studies, our LEO's discipleship program. We're trying to get people on the growth track. Um, but there's a path. And there's a path of life. There's a path that God wants us to work so that we can grow spiritually. Really also when we're talking about spiritual growth, we're also talking about discipleship. We have named our church Lifehouse Discipleship Center for a reason. Our hearts is all about discipleship. God has told us to go make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a disciplined learner. Someone who's going to learn. Jesus and the apostles were disciples of Jesus for three and a half years before they went into what we call ministry. Uh, Paul, when he was converted, spent three and a half years in Damascus before he became, as we know, the apostle Paul in teaching as he did. Um, and I don't think three is necessarily the magic number, but there's, we are we will be disciples in a sense until Jesus comes. But my heart is that we're not just seeing people get saved. We want to be, see people get saved, absolutely. But we want to see people get discipled in who they are. We want people to grow and become rooted and built up and established in who they are in Christ so they can grow. When they grow, they can be fruitful. Just like a child, just like a plant, or just like an animal, when it becomes mature, it can have offspring. It can, it can reproduce. It can have good fruit. And not just re being reproductive in that kind of fruit, but it, we can also produce good fruits in our life. The, 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 the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our life. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. I want good fruit to come out of my life. I want good things to come out of my life because I'm plugged into the vine. I'm growing, and it's healthy, and good, and being discipled, and... It's not me who's coming out, it's Christ who's coming out of everything I do, everything I think, everything I say. And as I grow in Christ, as I'm abiding in Him, as I'm walking in Him, I'm growing in Him. But if I don't have a regular diet, if I'm not on this path that we're going to talk to, be talking about, then, uh, then this path will help me keep me disciplined in the sense that I will stay on the path. I won't get off the path. It's just like the freeway. I'm not going to get off the off-ramp too early. I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna check out. I'm gonna stay on the path that God has for me so I can grow. And there's certain things along this path that we're gonna get on that's gonna help us stay on the path. That's gonna help us stay on this path, on this diet of being nurtured. 
and that we're not an island to ourselves and trying to do this ourselves. We're going to hopefully surround ourselves with people who will teach us, surround our people who will correct us if we need it, surround our people who will, that will help us in this path of life. Not just the pastor, not just apostles or prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but also the body of Christ, where we can edify, encourage one another to stay on the path. I'm where I'm at today because of what God has taught me through the Word, but I'm also where I'm at today because of the body of Christ and pastors in our lives and people in our lives to have taught us and encouraged us and mentored us. We wouldn't be where we're at today if it wasn't, first of all, for God's grace and His gospel and someone who taught His grace and His gospel so we could hear it and receive it. But also the body of Christ has helped us to be who we are today. We're not dependent, codependent on the body of Christ, but God has made the, He has created the church for a reason, so the church can grow and be healthy, and the church can change the world. The world, the church can be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. But a church can only be effective if it's healthy. If it's not healthy, if it's not growing, if it's not unified, then it's going to be ineffective. That making sense? Okay. Um, I believe there's a path, there's a, a path that God has designed for us to walk, and it's called the path of life. There is a beaten path that the saints have already treaded in a world that's, all, that's a jungle. There's a jungle out there. But there's a path that the saints, apostles, and other people have already walked. And if we learn how to get on that path, uh, we, it's a path of life. Okay? And David is praying, or show me that path. Show me that path so I can get on that path. Show me that path so I can uh, live in the path of life. We're going to uh, look at some more Psalms here. Go to Psalm 27. Hopefully I'm making sense this morning. This is still introductory to where I really want to get going, but it's kind of building on that, the principle I've already made. Psalm 27, verse 11. David's talking again. He says, Lord, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Okay? Now there's some things here, you know. Again, uh, he's telling us to lead us in the path. But how many know just because we are on the path of life, just because we are born again, doesn't mean we won't have enemies. We have enemies. We know that the, the main culprit is Satan, the devil. But he also will use people in our life at times to try to get us off the path, to try to discourage us, to try to get us to check out, to try to get us off the path. You know, when, we're, when we get tired and discouraged, but the enemy will use different things. He'll use distractions. He'll use people. Uh, uh, he's, even in the Old Testament, he used people to get people discouraged on the wrong path. He used people to... to Persecute Daniel, Joseph, David. Uh, different things have happened to all of these patriarchs and, and heroes of faith that get them off the path, the path that God had for them. He tried to kill or martyr and persecute all the apostles to get them off the path and uh, uh, whatnot. And so <coughs> we are going to we are gonna uh, have enemies, but no matter but if we uh, will understand this path, and we can do everything to do to stay on that path that God has laid for us. Jesus said this way, narrow is the way, and very few find it. There's a path, there's a way that God has 
orchestrated his church, his body, to walk that path. He said, my word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my uh, We'll get in there. We'll get there in there in a few moments. Actually, I think that's next week's notes. But his word is a, is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I think that's how it goes. But we'll get into there. I know that's Psalm 118, but we'll, we'll get to that verse eventually. I think I have that for next week's notes. I uh, hope we are making sense. We're going to Psalm 25, verse 4. Again, some of these verses are going to sound very repetitive. That's, there's a purpose in that. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Same thing. I know it's very repetitive, same language. But David is crying out or asking God, Lord, show me your path. Teach me your ways. There's a certain path that God has ordained for us to walk. And if you get on that path, if you, and I believe if you travel that path, you will grow and you will mature. Um, uh, and so and we're going to get into that in a few moments. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Pick it up in verse uh, 14. It says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away and pass on it. So I'm starting, uh, in this passage, I'm starting from a, a negative standpoint. There is a wicked path. There is an evil path. And uh, Solomon is warning us, don't avoid that path. Don't get on that path. And before we were in Christ, we were on a wicked path. Without Christ, we are on a wicked path. And if we're not led of the Spirit, we're going to be led of the flesh. And, <coughs> and we're, gonna, we're not going to avoid a wicked path. You know, and it goes on to say, verse 16, For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. It's a horrible path. There's people out there who, who their greatest joy, as horrible as it is, but their greatest joy is to cause people to stumble. And I don't know if you've met people like that. We have had people in our lives where their, 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 um, their ambition is to try to get us to stumble. We've had people try to trip us up and get us off the path. Discouragement, persecution. Uh, even threats of different kinds. But, and maybe some of us have, haven't experienced everything we have. But, <coughs> excuse me. But there's, there are people who are on a path to trying to get people to uh, stumble. And it's a horrible, horrible path. Uh, verse 17. Well, they eat the bread of the wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Verse 18. But the path of the just, that's us, it's like the shining sun that shines even ever brighter until the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words and kind your ear to my sayings. I want to go back to verse 18 for a moment. But the path of the just is just like the shining sun. You know, uh, in other words, the path of the just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. 
Uh, there's a path of darkness, and there's a path of light. There's a path, a path of light. And we want to be on the path of light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter. Okay? Um, let's go down to verse 25. I'll get dizzy as I scroll. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. There's a path of light that is bright like the sun. And the psalmist says we need to ponder that path. What does it mean to ponder? Ponder it. Think about it. Dwell on it. Focus on it. Uh, we need to focus on this path and not and become established in this path. I'm using a lot of these verses right now just to, again, paint a, set a stage for something I'm getting, going to go into. Does that make sense? You know, it making sense right here? Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 12. A few more verses and then we're going to get to the heart of really what I want to get to. Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 2. It says, you have planted them, yes, and they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near their mouth, but far from their mind. Okay. Uh, one reason I'm using this verse, I'm kind of getting off the path section for just a moment. But I'm also talking about fruitfulness. You know, we have been planted in God. God has planted us with uh, the seed of life and the but uh, and uh, I use this. I'm just using this verse. Uh, I forget why I put it exactly here in my notes. But uh, again, I'm just and, uh, switching gears a little bit here too. But God wants us to grow, and God wants us to bear fruits. This doesn't have a lot to do with this path per se. But as we are on this path that God has planted us on, that God has put us on, we will take fruits. We will grow. There's a path, there's a diet, there's a system in a sense. If we will get on this path, we will take root and we will grow and we will bear fruits. Go with me to Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verse 12. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Psalm 92, verse 12. And he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the course of our God. And they shall bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is in my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. There's a lot in this passage of scripture, but I mean, again, I'm just trying to paint a picture with scripture that God wants us not to only grow, but he wants us to flourish. And when we are in the path of life, we're going brighter and brighter like the sun would flourish. You know, just even look at a plant. You can tell if that plant has been watered, nurtured. Is it getting the right amount of sunshine? Not too much, not too little. Not too much water, not enough water. They're being fertilized if necessarily, but they're healthy. You can, know, you can tell if you drive down the street, people who have a lawn and grass. You can tell they've been watering it, not watering it. 
Is it healthy? Is it growing? Is it flourishing? Uh, are we flourishing? Are we growing? Paul told Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. He says, he talks about how we, he, he says, watch your conduct, watch the way you live, watch the way you talk, watch your purity, so that people can see your progress. Uh, people should see us growing in our relationship with God. We should be flourishing. If we talk, if this Christianity works, then our lives should be a testimony to the world that we are healthy. I'm not saying that we always have our everything all together. But the world doesn't see that. The world's not going to judge us by that. Uh, and so, when I want my life to grow and to flourish. So it gives testimony. Jesus said this way, let, let your life so shine before man that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want people to see my life, not so they so much give me a pat on the back. I want them to see my life so that it gives testimony to God. I want my life to grow and be fruitful. And uh, uh, not. And even uh, when it's not, even when I do have challenges, how I respond to the challenges, how I respond to situations can show if I'm mature or immature. And uh, who I'm trusting in. Who, and we're going to come to another scripture about that in this moment. Two more scriptures. Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, <coughs> nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I love this. I just love this passage here in Psalms. But what, there's several things that this Psalm is just speaking to me about. But he's talking about uh, just a. I mean, let's read verse three. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in season. His leaf shall not wither, but whatever he does prosper. He's showing a healthy life, a whole healthy tree. You know, especially in the, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, in the Old Testament, and the, the prophets, a lot of times when you see the word tree, you know, talk about different trees. We just read about the tree of Lebanon. It's, it, it's, it, it's an allegory of people, of man. It's used, it's used metaphor, metaphor, am I, am I saying that right? Uh, as a metaphor for uh, uh, people. God wants us to be like a tree that's planted this planted by God is flourishing. He says in Isaiah 61 that we are oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor, of His glory. But uh, but part of this this growth has to do what path are we on? Are we on the wrong path? Are we on a good path? Are we sitting in the, in the wrong seat? Are we are we delighting in His law? And what he's also meaning here, especially the Old Testament, he's talking about the Word of God. Are we delighting in the law of God, the Word of God? Are we delighting in and meditating on His Word day and night? Do we have a diet for His Word? Okay. And one more passage of Scripture, Jeremiah 17. 
Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. It says this, Thus says the Lord, Curses the man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For you shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land where, which is not inhabited. The blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when he comes, but its leaves will always be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease, will cease from yielding fruits. I want to talk a little quick to uh, King James, because I like, I teach on this a lot, this passage of scripture. Basically, the writer, Jeremiah, God is talking about, he's comparing a man who's cursed to a man who is blessed. Okay? The cursed man is trusting in man, flesh, himself, or others. But the blessed man is trusting God. I also teach about this, how both men have a blind spot. You ever go driving in the car and someone is driving in your blind spot? Or you come to an intersection and you can't see who's coming because of an obstacle in the color blind intersection? Well, both, both these men have a blind spot. The, the cursed man is blind because it says he should not see the good when it comes. The good is coming to both the godly and the ungodly, to the cursed man and the blessed man. But the, the cursed man doesn't see it. Why? Because he's not focused on God. He's not focused on his word. He's focused on himself. He's focused on, on other things. He's not focused on God. But the... the, the, the the blessed man doesn't see when the heat comes. The heat is coming. It's a, it's a famine. It's, it's, it's a year of drought. But and we can relate to that right now because we got hot weather right now. We can understand that heat. But the, the, the blessed man is not concerned with the heat because he's not trusting in himself. He's trusting God. And because when we trust God, he will be like a tree planted by the waters, and spreads out its roots by the river. He doesn't see when the heat comes. His leaves shall always be green. He won't even be careful in the year of drought. And neither cease from yielding fruit. Why? Because his focus is in God. And when God is our diet, when we're on the path of trusting God, and God is our life, and God is our, is our source, then our life will flourish and will be fruitful even in the year of drought even when everyone else is falling apart uh, uh, in our world. And we, our, there's a lot of things going on in our world today. There's a lot of things going on in our country, in our state, in our government today. There's a lot of things going on in our families, in our culture today. But I'm, my heart as a pastor is that we are on a path where we're focused on God so that we don't have to worry so much about the heat comes. We will be wise as servants and harmless as will have wisdom uh, in this day, in these last days. And when we get on the path that we can grow. And as we grow, and as we mature, going back to Ephesians, we won't be like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We'll be so grounded in God, so grounded in His Word, so grounded and established who we are in Christ, that we are not going to be deceived by 
persecution and other things that we're going to come on this earth and in, in our world, we won't be easily uh, tripped up and are, are, are deceived by, and, you know, because that's one of the, the enemy's greatest weapons, especially in his last days, is deception. And the danger about deception is when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. If you knew that you're deceived, you're not deceived. But that's the danger about deception. You don't know when you're deceived. But if we are a, a student of God's word, and we have a healthy diet of God's word, and we are on this path, and we have a healthy environment of the body of Christ, and pastors and apostles and teachings that be corrected to, when we need it, to be reproved when we need it, to be discipled and do, indoctrinated as we need it, to be helped as we need it, to be instructed as we need it. He's our helper. He's our guide. He's planting us where by the streams of water we are not going to be deceived from the evil one. We're not going to be uh, bewitched by the, the, the evil one to, to trust something that's not God. We won't be trusting religion. We won't be trusting ourselves. We'll be trusting God. And we'll have a healthy relationship with God. Because we're on a good path. We're, and we're going to flourish even in a, in, 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 in a year drought. Does it make sense? So last week and this week up to this point has all been introductory. Introduction. The, 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 to throw some things out there in an in, 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 in introduction and a platform to what I really want to get. We have a few more minutes left, and I want to uh, paint a picture of where we're going to be going the next couple of weeks. Okay? So turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2. Now we also know, if you, if you know your Bible, Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. Jesus had just died on the cross. He also rose from the dead. And he just ascended to heaven. There was 120 people, the believers, in the upper room, praying in one accord, worshiping God. They were just filled with the Holy Spirit. And really this whole context is the birth of the church. The church had just been born. Uh, by the finished work of the cross and by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the church had just been born. So this is the birth of the church. The church just began. And this is what takes place. We're not going to read the whole story of chapter 2, but we're going to pick up verse 40. And it says, And with many other words did he testify, Peter stopped, he's talking about Peter, and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. We don't use that word very much today, but an untoward means perverse generation. Now, Peter thought his generation was perverse and untoward. The generation today is very untoward. Amen? Okay? So, he's saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41. Then they, who's they? Uh, uh, the 120. There was 120 there. They, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So, there was 120 people, now pointing the Holy Spirit. People, Peter's preaching the gospel. And he, and he, and he gives them invitation. And 3,000 people get saved in one day. Now, that's pretty good. That would be pretty good. You know, again, I, I got this, this, this message or this outline from Dwayne Sheriff. And that Dwayne Sheriff was studying this and whatnot, the Lord even spoke to his heart 
And this is something that almost kind of spoke to my heart now. But I'll just echo what God spoke to Dwayne Sheriff. God told Dwayne Sheriff, what would you do if I added 3,000 people to your church in one day? Now, again, this is not the time that Dwayne Sheriff's birth was tuned on. This was not today's ministry where he had multiple churches now. But at this day, they were still in a double wide trailer with 50-some 50 pe- 50 people in his church. 3,000 people would totally multiply the church. But what would you do if 3,000 people entered the church? And I love Dwayne Sheriff's answer to him, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And it was in this context that, that Dwayne Sheriff is studying this context. And that was I felt Dwayne Sheriff was saying, what did Peter do? What did Peter do when the church went from 120 to 3,000 in one day? What did Peter do? What, how did the church respond when the church just multiplied from 120 to 3,000 uh, to 3,120? 3, you, you've seen the picture? You've seen the stage? You have 120 people who've been praying for the, the last 10 days. There was 10 days between uh, the, uh, the resurrection and Pentecost. Jesus just ascended. And so now we have 3,120. And this is what they did, verse 42. And they, the 3,120, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear, not, not, not fear as they were afraid of God, but a, a, a reverence of God. They were in awe of God. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were, were together and held all things in common, and sold all their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking from breaking bread from house to house, and get their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people in the church, and, and the Lord added to the church daily. Churches should be saved. It's awesome when God is adding people to the church. And when God is adding people to the church, God trusts that church. God sees a healthy church. And God is going to direct people to that church. That's another message that we'll get there a little bit later. I want to go back to verse 46. Our main text we're going to be spending on is verse 42. But verse 46, I want to just point out, and they continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house in their meeting with gladness and singing of July. And I like this because growing up, I thought it was weird. I always wanted to be in church every day. I always wanted to be at church. I always growing, uh, I can't say not so much growing up, but from my high school years on, uh, when I really started having a relationship that I grew up in a Christian home, I grew up going to church, but it wasn't really until my sophomore year in high school that I really became to get on fire with the Lord and have a deep relationship with the Lord. And it's a beautiful testimony how God began to orchestrate that in my life. But since that time, uh, I've always wanted to be in church. I've always thought the church should be daily. And I thought I was weird thinking that, but that's what the church did. They met corporately in the temple, and they met from house to house every day. 
Now, this is not a major point of my message. I'm not so much trying to advocate that we're going to have church every day, although I would love that. And that's not something I'm trying to mandate. But I am trying to point out that they, the church met daily. They met regularly. They met not only in a corporate setting, kind of like we're trying to do here on Sunday mornings, but they also met house to house, what we try to do in our Bible studies, not only here in Pasadena and other places in the future, perhaps. And I've seen... I've seen the, the corporate structure, and I like that. I've seen the, the house to house, and where it's a little more laid back, and a little more uh, fellowship and ministry. I've seen people wash one another's feet. I've seen it be very intimate and very very close, and we'll get into some of that, that teaching in, in the next few weeks. But I just, uh, and I, I think everyone needs to experience both. They need a, a structure like here where they can be taught, but they also need a structure too where they can minister to one another. And they can ask questions, and they can minister from house to house. I think everyone needs both, both experiences. And as they did this, though, and as, and, and how, how they had them in common, God added to the church daily those being saved. Now, when I'm talking about growth, I'm not so much talking about numbers, but I'm not all, I'm not excluding numbers. I'm talking about growing healthy. I'm talking about maturing. But that doesn't mean, I believe, a healthy plant that is maturing is going to multiply. A grass in the yard, if it's healthy, is going to multiply. Any family, any, any, uh, anybody who's growing grow healthy, there's going to be multiplication. And I, I want our multiplication not to be uh, wickedness and not to be uh, evil, as the world seems to, to multiply sometimes in that, in that way. I want us to multiply good. And healthy, and and, and uh, everything that we got, I want for them, the world, our families, and our friends to have what we have in Christ. Okay, but let's go back to verse forty-two. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Okay. I've talked a lot about growth and maturity. We'll be talking more about that as we go forward. That's the, the title of this message. But I also start out this, this morning by talking about this path. There's a path that God has for us. And I believe there's a distinct path that the early church got on as it was born. And I believe there's a very distinct path that we should get on if we are going to grow and mature. Okay? Again, I got these notes from Dwayne Sharon, and he, this is something that he instills in this church, something he, he's instilled to the leadership in this church. He has, a, he has a different set of expectations for those who are leaders in this church than he does for the, just the common folk who come and visit his church, and rightfully so. Okay, that, that makes sense. If you're going to be a leader, then there's going to be some expectations of leadership to to to. We don't want the, the immature to just teaching the mature. We want the mature teaching the immature so they can grow up. Uh, uh, and whatnot, okay? But, and, and Dwayne Sheriff says this, everyone that he has seen get on this path has grown and has matured without fail. In other words, if it was good enough for the early church, it's good enough for us. In this generation, okay. Uh, yes, there are times there's Christians who will zigzag on this trip, on this on this path. 
There's some people that will get off the path, uh, like an off-ramp. I can just picture an off-ramp on the path. So, and granted, there's some people who just don't want to grow. They don't want to mature. They're okay with that. Not just on a spiritual level, which we're talking about, but even on a natural level. There's some, there's some people who just don't want to grow up. You know, and, uh, and some people want to stay in diapers, in a sense. They want to stay in the nursery, sort of thing. I'm not trying to be difficult or mean, but there are some people who just don't want to grow up. And, uh, and we love them. We're not condemning them. But I want to grow. I want to mature. And my heart as a pastor is uh, those who are willing to be taught, those who are willing to be mature. That's why we've provided it. We don't expect people to come to every single thing that we have. We don't expect that. Uh, but we offer different things through our church uh, Bible studies and, and our Bible classes that will resume in the fall for those who want to go. We're not the only place uh, that carries Bible college. A lot of churches have good discipleship programs and, and ministries. And so we just encourage people to get into a program, a good program, with good teaching, like-minded people, believers, so that they can grow their life. Okay? Um, but... If you go back to verse 42, hopefully I'm making sense with everything I'm trying to teach this morning. But they continue steadfastly in four things. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to spend time on all four of these things. I'm going to take time, at least a good hour, hopefully, to talk about the apostles' doctrine. What do you mean by the apostles' doctrine? What do we mean by what? In other words, what does the Bible say about fellowship? What does the Bible say about breaking of bread? What does the Bible say about prayers in relationship? In, re, in, re, in relationship to, to us growing and maturing? There's a lot I can talk about prayer. And there's a lot I can talk about fellowship and debate. But I'm going to connect this with our mature and our growth, this path that God has laid out. Am I making sense? Okay. Well, I'm going to share just a few things this morning on all four of them as we go forward. Um, first of all, the Apostles' Doctrine. The word doctrine is a fancy word, and it just means teachings, or teaching. The Apostles' Doctrine. We need to know the Apostles' Doctrine. We need to know the whole word of, word of God. You know, until I understood the gospel like I understand it now, I saw the Old Testament as a whole set of I just saw it as a bunch of do's and don'ts, a bunch of laws and precepts that if I didn't obey the commandments, that I was basically condemned. I was toast. But now that I understand God's grace, now that I understand the gospel, I see the Old Testament and told you and told you. And we need to be taught the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. Peter, James, John, uh, Paul. Because we need the, 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 the New Testament explains what the Old Testament contains. That makes sense? The Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. It's a foreshadow. In many ways, it's an allegory of the old, of the new. And we need to understand, and if we don't understand the apostles' doctrine, then we're going to be confused on some things, uh, we're going to be confused about some things that the Old Testament 
talks about the wrath of God. God punishing sin. God's not going to punish our sin because He punished Jesus. He punished Jesus on, on our behalf. Because He punished Jesus, God has given us His righteousness. We need to understand that. You're not going to understand that in the Old Testament. You're going to understand that in the New Testament under the Apostles' teaching. But now that we understand that, when we read the Old Testament here on this side of the cross, we're going to understand the Old Testament clearly. The Old Testament is going to point us to Christ. We need to receive Christ. Uh, and so we need to understand the Apostles' doctrine. But also, we're starting here, and in, 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 in light of these other three categories, we need to understand what the Apostles' doctrine, the Apostles' teaching, talks about fellowship in the New Testament. We need to understand what the Apostles' doctrine talks about breaking of bread in the New Testament. We're going to understand what the Apostles' doctrine means and talk about prayer in the New Testament. We pray differently in the New Testament than they prayed in the Old Testament because of the cross. Well, that's what we're studying right now on Sunday nights, a better way to pray. Based on the Apostles' doctrine. Based on New Testament believing. Okay? Um, but we also need, they were also steadfast. They had a constant diet of the Apostles' doctrine. They had a good diet. It was consistent. And according to what we just read in verse 46, they met daily in the temple, and from house to house, with apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. We need to be consistent. We need to have this path of feeding on God's word, the apostles' teaching, on a regular basis. Jesus said in Matthew 4, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, But man that shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <clears throat> we, his word is our diet. It is our food, and we, will, we won't grow, we won't mature if we don't have a consistent diet of the Word of God. We won't grow, we won't mature if we don't have a consistent and accurate diet of the apostles' teaching the Word of God. That makes sense? Um, see, we have to learn this even naturally. We all feed differently. We all have different eating habits. And, and whatnot. But, uh, and same thing spiritually, we don't have to necessarily cookie cut exactly how you study, not how I study, and, some, and maybe there can be different styles of churches and Bible studies and different things, and I get that. But what does need to be there, there needs to be a habitual diet of the Word of God and apostles' teaching. There needs to be discipleship. We need to be disciples, disciplined learners of the Word of God. Okay? Um, also, fellowship. It's not enough just for you to be in the Word of God for yourself and that Jesus and you are, have your own thing going on, but you become an island of yourself where it's just you and Jesus and no one else. In a sense, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying, we're not codependent on other people, but God did not make us to be an island to ourselves. God did not... Go to the cross and save us so we can be isolated from the body of Christ. It's not healthy. It's not good for anyone to be dislocated. We're a body. And if my arm gets dislocated from the body, it's not good. It can't grow without being connected to the whole body. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the source. 
and, and, and Jesus, we're not worshiping God's body, but we are worshiping God, but we need to be connected to the body. We need to have healthy fellowship. Spiritual growth never takes place in a vacuum. It doesn't take place necessarily on the backside of a desert. We are to walk this life together as a body of Christ. You cannot grow if you're an island to yourself. I already said that. Um, hopefully I'm making sense this morning. <clears throat> we need to share what we're learning. As you are having, being in the Word of God with Jesus. And I get it. Sometimes some people, in some situations, there is no one around. I'm not, I, and I get that. I understand that. And if no one else in your family or, or your circle is going to follow God, I'm going to follow God even if no one else is. And I get that. And I'm not, I'm not speaking to that. But those of us, we do have an opportunity to assemble. We do have an opportunity to fellowship with the Word of God. Maybe not as often as we like or whatever it might be, but there should be an habitual habit of fellowship. They continue steadfastly, not only in apostles' doctrine, but also in fellowship. We need a regular diet of fellowship. Even as pastors, I need a regular diet of fellowship. It's healthy. It's not healthy to not have a have fellowship. Um, also, when, when we, we'll study this out more lately, later as we go forward, when you fellowship, sometimes when you fellowship, there's going to be conflicts. You get people together. And sometimes people just rub people wrong. There's going to be, at times, disagreements and conflicts. Um, um, you know, and, but part of the growing pains is learning to work that out. You know, I remember, I remember as a child, as a, we played in the schoolyard with other schoolmates. I'm, in, my, in my young childhood years and adolescence, sometimes there was conflicts on the playgrounds about the rules of the game or what different things happened. And we were not, we were not only learning education academically, but we were also learning how to get along with other people. We were also learning how to socialize with other people. And we were also learning how to share and how to forgive and how to work things out, and how to make things right, how to apologize. We learned that. Our parents taught us that. Our teachers taught us that. Our Sunday school teachers taught us that. They think spiritually. We need to learn how to get along. We need to learn how to work together. We, need to, we are the body of Christ. And Jesus said that people will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Jesus prayed that, that the world, that he said, Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one, that the world would know that you sent me. Our greatest evangelism to the world is how we treat one another. And when we're isolated, we're divided with all kinds of denominations and different things, God has not called his church to be divided. He's called his church to be united. We are stronger together. And, and then not, we're not all a hand, we're not all a foot, we're not all a stomach or a liver. We all have different parts of the body and different functions, but we are a body, and a body that's unified. You know, sometimes, some of the, sometimes some, even in our world, some of the minority groups that complain a lot to politics and the wickedness is because they get unified on whatever they're, they're protesting and arguing, and they, they see changes. We need to be unified as the body of Christ. And we need to encourage one another. I hope we're making sense with all this. But we need to we need to be encouraged by the body of Christ. We need to share what God is doing. Uh, and when we fellowship together, it will force us in many ways to grow. It will sharpen us as 
iron shepherd, or iron. We'll, we'll get into some of this as we get, right, we'll see what the, the apostles' teachings, what the Bible talks about fellowship. And all of the, I mean, <clears throat> in the New Testament, there's over a hundred times between Jesus and Paul alone that talks about how we are to love one another. And we are to get along with one another. We're to forgive one another. And, uh, and we have to learn how to do that. And, uh, and we, we need that. We need the body. I'm not trying to elevate fellowship over God, but I, I, but I, we start here. But we need fellowship. We need it's healthy. I, we, Sherry and I have seen so many people, even people who come out of Bible college, isolate themselves after they come out of out of a, a season of good teaching and good fellowship. They isolate themselves, and we have never have seen one case where they've isolated themselves and it turned out good. It always turned out bad. And some of those people who, who were awesome men and women of God turned back to some of their old ways and some of their old habits and some of their old addictions. They had the good teaching, but they came out from the fellowship. They came out from the body, and it always ended up horrible. horrible. We love them. We're not condemning them. But it's not the way that God has designed this church to be. Uh, they're not effective uh, when they're not doing their own thing. Uh, you know, when Je yes, Jesus ministered, he fellowship, but we need time with God. And we need to have a one-on-one -on -one time with God. You know, we fellowship, but I need to have one-on-one -on -one time with my wife. And so we, we have to balance. And all these things I'm talking about, we need to do it in balance. There is a proper balance to it. But we need to do all four things. And we need to do all four things consistently. Okay? Uh, breaking the bread. Now, I'm really looking forward to getting this part because... I think breaking the bread is not always what we think it is. The, the biggest question that has always come up in my mind when, the, when I see the breaking of bread, is he talking about communion? Or is he talking about meal? That's, a, that's an obvious question. Is he talking about communion? Or is he talking about a meal? And I believe the answer is yes. He's talking about both. Because when we're going to study this out, the original Passover was a meal. The Last Supper, which is the last Passover, was a meal. And when you read 1 Corinthians 11, and they did communion in the early church, it was a meal. It wasn't just the, the blood and the, the, the cup and the wafer. We, we have kind of evolved to that, and there's nothing wrong with that, as far as communion is concerned, when we, when we served that in the church. But the original Passover was a meal. And we're going to learn that in the, in, the, in the Jewish customs, in the Jewish laws, Anytime they had a meal together, it was like a mini covenant. I mean, we just know from communion itself, it's about, it's about reminded of his body that was broken for us and the blood of his covenant. We're reminded of this covenant relationship we have with God vertically. But as we have this, we're also going to learn that as we have this relation, covenant relationship with God vertically, there is also a covenant relationship horizontally with each other. Because just as he has shown us mercy, he has shown us forgiveness, we show one another mercy and forgiveness. And we, because it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And there is a level of covenant that we have with one another within the body of Christ. I'm not saying, and I'm not going to teach, that our covenant with one another is the same level of covenant that we have as husband and wife. And I'm not saying it's the same level of of our relationship and covenant we have with God. 
but this covenant relationship does affect this covenant relationship with one another. And I'm not in relationship with you based on what you do. I'm, based, I'm in relationship with you based on covenant. Do we ever have arguments and disagreements? Yes. But we stay married not because of what the other person did. We stay married because of covenant. And I am uh, I'm committed as a pastor. Not because I have to or I should do. But I am committed to it because I, in my own heart, in my own mind, I've made a covenant with God in a sense to, 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 to do what God has called me to do. Not based on performance, not based on even, and let me just say this, even if I disagree with you, even if I disagree with certain things, I am committed to doing what God has called me to do, not based on uh, what you've done or what I, uh, how we agree or disagree with things. It's based on covenant. And we're going to learn how to, how, how to, to, to have a covenant relationship with each other biblically, based on the apostles' doctrine, based on New Testament principles. It's, and, and I want to emphasize just the fact that there's a mini covenant. And we're going to see that in Scripture, especially the Old Testament. And we'll use that a little bit. I know that's not so much the apostles' doctrine. But many times they had meals together. Something called marriage was going to take place. I mean, just even the New Testament, Jesus had a meal with disciples after the resurrection in John 21. Uh, we'll see how Jesus, uh, how God had, had a meal with the, 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 uh, Abraham before Sodom and Gomorrah. We'll see how uh, Mo Moses and the 70 elders had a meal together with God in Mount Sinai. We overlooked some of these things. But there was a meal together. They, they had a meal together. And there are different areas in Scripture where they had a meal together. And, it, and uh, in, the, in the Jewish customs, it, they don't have meals together and take it lightly. They have a mil and that's why we're going to see that even in the New Testament, why the religious leaders had such a, uh, it was a big deal for them when uh, Jesus wanted to hang out with the publicans and sinners and eat with them and sup with them. They got furious about that. They got upset about that. Why is Jesus having a covenant, many covenant, a meal with the publicans and sinners? In their mind, in their religious minds, that was taboo. And we're going to find out that, yes, it's, it's, a, it's about this relationship, and it's about breaking bread in that sense, but there's something about breaking bread. It's, it's actually taking our relationship and our intimacy as a church, as a body of Christ, to a new level that the world doesn't understand. The, you know, when I hang out with the world, when I hang out with people who are not like-minded, my relationship can only go so far. It's very shallow. But when I when we eat and we 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 break bread together with the body of Christ, we go out to dinner or we hang out and talk, it's just on a richer, deeper, more intimate level. That's how the body of Christ should be. And they get a day from house to house. And were they having that meal together? Yes. But I believe they were also doing it out of covenant. I believe they were also doing it out of this covenant relationship and it was spreading this way. And we're going to get into some of that. I know this might be a new way of thinking for some of us, but uh, again, Wayne Sheriff just opened my eyes to this in his teaching, and I see this in the New Testament. I see this in the Word of God. That it, it, it makes sense why they did this, and they did it regularly. Uh, and so it just it, it, it's not. And see, these four aspects of this track or this path is not four tracks, but they they. They do it in balance, but all four of these things they did it steadfastly. The apostles' doctrine to fellowship, the 
breaking of bread and the prayers, they did all four of them. It was one path, one track, but four aspects to that track. And then prayers. And we'll probably spend a longer time on prayers and, and uh, some other ones, but the, the, the prayers is a, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be active and to, to, to make it all work. He is our helper. He is our counselor. He is our teacher. And we need to have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and not just religion. The Holy Spirit is meeting with us. He's guiding us. He's showing us. He's teaching us. He's helping us. He's a divine communicator. But I've also noticed through the years, I love the Holy Spirit. I love when the Holy Spirit is moving in our fellowship and in our lives. But I've also seen people at times, again, I'm not trying to put anyone down, but I've seen people who, they want the effects of the Holy Spirit. They want the music of the Holy Spirit. They want the life of the Holy Spirit. They want the fire of the Holy Spirit. They want the benefits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But they don't want the person of the Holy Spirit. They want the healing, but not the healer. They want the provision, but not the provider. They want the, the salvation, but not the Savior. In other words, it's not like they don't want the Holy Spirit. They don't want God. But they don't want a relationship. Any relationship takes work. Any relationship takes efforts. Any relationship takes time. Growing takes time. Maturity takes time. And yes, I want the gifts. I want the music. I love the I love our worship. I love the things that we do. I love other places when they worship. I love all of those things. But I don't want just the feeling good. I want to grow. I want the person of the God. I want a relationship with Him. And I have a relationship with Him. And, I, and, I, and, if, and again, my prayers are based on the apostles' doctrine. We're learning this right now on Sunday nights. There's a better way to pray. We're, we're going real slow in this book. But we're just learning. I pray differently because I, because I understand the apostles' doctrine. I understand the grace of God. I understand what Jesus did for us on the cross. I understand that. That, uh, that by his grace I've already received in the seed is my new nature my born again nature I already have healing I already have provision I pray differently I, I don't, I'm not asking God to move I'm receiving what God has already provided I'm, I'm, I'm not talking to God about my problem I'm talking to my problem about my God I, I'm praying differently and how do I, how do I know that because of the apostles doctrine I pray differently the Holy Spirit leads me differently. He gives me boldness to pray boldness. When I see someone sick, this week we had a lot of hospital visitations. We had a lot of people in the hospital and different things going on. You know, we lay hands on the sick and we, we expect them to recover. I'm not asking God to move. He already moved 2,000 years ago. I'm receiving what Christ has already accomplished. And I know that because of the apostles' teaching. I know that because the Holy Spirit is reminding me of that. And I'm walking and I'm... And I'm uh, sorry, I got timed out. But as I'm walking with him daily, I'm going to step fast and constantly walking with God and the apostles' teaching and the fellowship of the brethren and breaking of bread, knowing his covenant that he had with me. See, J David had a covenant relationship with God. And we came, when he came to the scene of Goliath, he, he, he knew that this guy was toast. He knew this guy was going to have to bow down. He, he knew that he, this guy was going to have to be taken out. He wasn't worried about Goliath's height and stature. He had a covenant relationship with God. And had he had a, a consistent relationship with God based on covenants, 
breaking bread that we're going to look into a covenant. That when it came to prayer, when it came to the Goliath, he wasn't going there to buy Goliath. He was going there to bring cheese and crackers to his brothers because his daddy told him to. But he listened to his daddy. And when he got there, he, would, he wouldn't plan on fighting, but he also wasn't going to let this uncircumcised Philistine continue to defy the armies of the living God. We just go about our lives. We do what God calls us to do. But then when someone calls us for prayer, when someone calls us for ministry, or we see something going on, the stuff that happened in El Paso yesterday, different things that happened, we come against it in the name of the Lord. And we, 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 we uh, minister to one another by the power of the Holy Spirit who's already in us and who's already guiding us. And at times where maybe we don't know what to do, but we, we ask the Holy Spirit how to pray, what to do, and He leads us. He guides. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we, because we have a relationship with God based on the apostles' teaching, based on covenant, and even in fellowship. Without the fellowship, some of these people would never come to us for prayer, would never come to us for that other thing. Also, <coughs> there's times that we need prayer. There's times that we need ministry. And because of fellowship, we have the body of Christ. And you know what? I know what the Word of God says. I'm teaching what the Word of God says. But right now, I just need some encouragement. Right now, I just need the Word of God. I need, I need the fellowship and whatnot. Um, is this making sense? And we're going to spend time on all four of these categories. And we want the, the work of our spirit. There's a path. There's a desired path in the early church as it was beginning to grow. And it began to multiply. God added to the church and finally added, it got to a point where it began to multiply. And I'm not just talking about numerically, but I also believe if we will mature individually, we will also mature corporately. If we grow and are healthy individually, we will also be healthy corporately. And it will grow. And it will multiply. Because if we are consistent in the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, and covenant relationship with God and man, and in prayers, it will grow. And Dwayne Sheriff said in his own church, without fail, everyone, every individual and every church who will get on this path, on this track, will grow and it will mature. We're going to see how all four of these attributes of this path speak to our maturity. There's some other things we're going to talk about maturity too after we're done with this little uh, section of going through Acts chapter 2. But, uh, but uh, if it was good enough for the early church to grow, not just numerically, that will happen too. I believe that is the byproduct. <coughs> One of the byproducts of us growing maturity is we're going to grow numerically as well. But we're not focused. Uh, fo our focus, see, even a tree, even an apple tree, is not so much focused on growing. It's focused on abiding in the vine. And as the, as, as the plant abides in the vine, growth is just a byproduct. But fruitfulness is a byproduct. Flourishing is just a byproduct. We're not focused on growing. The apple tree is not like, i got to grow, I've got to grow. No, it's just abiding in the vine. We're abiding. What are we doing? We are abiding in the apostles' doctrine of God. We are abiding in the body of Christ and fellowship. We are staying connected in a covenant relationship with God and with one another. And we're staying, we're praying without ceasing. 
we're not giving up, we're not quitting, we're going to press through, and, and we'll, we'll talk about different things along that, that, those, those avenues. And as we do all four of these things consistently, in balance and in harmony, we will grow. We won't turn. Because some of these things are also just to keep us in check. It's hard to be, it's hard to get off the path when you're in fellowship. It's hard to get off the path when you're in covenant. It's hard to get off the path when you are have a good diet of the God's Word. It's hard to get off the path when you're praying without ceasing. It's hard to get off the path. So some of these things are also, in a sense, they keep us on the path so that we keep growing. The reasons why we have times where we don't grow, we got disconnected somehow. We got distracted somehow. And anytime, I've seen this happen so many times. I understand life happens. I understand different situations. But every time I see people... Their relationship with God suffers, and their fellowship suffers, and or one app, either whether it be one aspect or all aspects or multiple aspects. I've always seen a withdrawal. I've always seen a faith. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my life when I'm not walking with God like I should, when I'm not breaking bread with Him as I should, I'm not in fellowship as I should, and I'm not praying as I. Should. I've seen my own life a fade. I've seen in my own life things wither. And maybe it's behind the scenes. Maybe no one else sees it at times. But I know I'm not where I should be. I know I'm not as flourishing and healthy as I should. But all I need is to give a little water for the word. All I need is to get plugged back in like coals in a barbecue that have be that become separated. You just start putting them back together and they start reuniting. They start getting warm again. You, you get those coals together in a fellowship. Covenant relationship. I just need to re be reminded. It's called a table remembrance. For a reason, we need to be reminded of our relationship with God. And as we're reminded of our relationship with God, when He did it on the cross, I'm reminded of my relationship with you. And as, I, and as I, I'm just reminded by the Holy Spirit to pray. No, stop talking to God, God about the problem. Start talking to God, your problem about your God. Reminding you how to pray and what to pray. And, uh, and different things. We will grow. That make sense? So we're going to spend more time with this in the next few weeks. Um, but anyway, this is just kind of really this week and last week were just introductions of what I really want to get into as the essence of maturity. We need to grow. We need to mature in our relationship with God. But we worship you. We magnify you. Or we thank you for the cross. <coughs> or I pray, I hope this makes sense. My heart is that people will grow and mature in relationship with God. And Lord, we go forward with this in the next few weeks, so I pray that you can even give me the words to say and a way to articulate it to the way that we just connect with what you have for us. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Bless us as we go. Bless the remainder of this day and this week. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you soon. Join us tonight if you can. We'll see you next week.